Hi, I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. Welcome to Fearless, helping you have a fearless faith in a compromising culture. Welcome back to another episode of Fearless. And today I'm going to start a series called what I'm going to call the Legacy Series. And this is just something we won't do them all in a row. It'll be throughout the year and to come as I share. But I want to share with you of what I have learned from my grandfather, Billy Graham. And over the last two years, I have just been writing down notes and different things that I have learned. And today I want to share with you the number one thing I've learned from my grandfather in the first episode of the Legacy Series. The moment you read in the paper that Billy Graham is dead, you'll know that he's more alive than he's ever been before, and I'm in paradise. And I'm looking forward to it. We just marked the second anniversary of my grandfather's passing and going on to heaven. And I'll never forget where I was in that moment I heard the news. I was in Israel. I was in the Mamilla Mall. I was getting just a cup of coffee. I was outside the old city of Jerusalem with two friends whom I had just met that week. And just that day, I was preparing to meet the prime minister And I was walking through the mall, and I looked down on my phone, and I had many missed calls from my mom and dad, which was very unusual because I had just spoken with my dad that morning. And so, of course, I called back right away. And I had actually been anticipating getting the phone call that my husband's grandmother was getting ready to pass away. She had been sick and was in the hospital. So I thought maybe that that was why they were calling me. But when I picked up the phone and called my dad, he answered and just said, your daddy Bill is now in heaven. And daddy Bill's, of course, what I called my grandfather. And it was just news that it struck so deep and so hard, maybe because I had just taken it for granted my entire life that, you know, I was in my 30s with my grandfather still living. And there's so many times in my life that he had gotten sick and the world knew he was sick and maybe felt many times he was going to go on to heaven, but he didn't. He kept living. So I think it just took us a surprise that Daddy Bill was gone, and he was now face-to-face with Jesus. But I remember just kind of everything started spinning because I was all alone. And by the time I made it back to my hotel room and turned on the news, every channel in that country and around the world had the news of my grandfather. And It can be such a lonely place to sit in a hotel room by yourself halfway around the world away from all your family and watching the world speak about your grandfather and many people talking about the stories that they had known and they loved. And But it's just hard when you're sitting in a hotel room and they're talking about your grandfather and all you want to do is get home. But how sweet the next week following would be of just watching the world celebrate a man, and a man who was just obedient to God's calling on his life, who was just a farm boy from Charlotte, North Carolina, who said yes to God and said, God, my life is yours. Take it where you want. And never in his wildest dreams would he ever imagine how God would use him. But he was a man who was just faithful of speaking of the love of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'll never, I never just get tired. So many people, almost every day, and every time I travel, people come up to me and say, 
their kind of Billy Graham story, their Billy Graham moment. And I never get tired of it. I think many people assume I do, and they think it might be a bother to tell me. And I love it. I realized that anybody that heard my grandfather speak or read a book that changed their life, they know their age, they know the year, and they know where they were when they first heard Billy Graham or in that moment that forever changed their lives. And I was just in the UK when I was there with my dad, and this man had his decision card, which back um, in the early days of my grandfather's crusades, when people gave their life to Christ, they would receive a decision card that they could write the date and the time of when they gave their life to Christ. With this man, I believe his name was Alex, still had his decision card in his pocket. He's carried it in his wallet every day since. He said he was an atheist who did not believe in God. When people invited him to go hear my grandfather speak in the UK, he didn't even know who Billy Graham was. And uh, when they mentioned, you know, he spoke about Jesus, he wasn't really interested. But long story short, that one moment, he's never forgotten the day, and he carries that decision card in his wallet every day. So I never get tired of hearing these stories. I've uh, heard stories of people just reading a book that my grandfather and that forever changed their life and they gave their life to Jesus. So everybody's got a Billy Graham story and they all have these images of how they remember him, whether it's on the stage or behind a pulpit, whether it's meeting with world leaders and presidents and kings and queens or, you know, just with an average person. They all have these images. But for me, you know, I have these images of just my grandfather, Daddy Bill. And for the first part of my life, I didn't think of him on the world stage or at the Billy Graham that everybody else, he was just my daddy, Bill. And, you know, I was 30 when he passed away, but as he got older and those precious times of where I maybe wanted to ask him certain questions, those were just sweet family time. You would just sit and hold his hand. My memories of him are not on stage and not behind a pulpit, but holding his hand and sitting on his porch in the mountains of North Carolina, drinking iced tea. And if we were lucky, we would have had my Aunt Anne's apple pie and just talking and reminiscing in his soft voice. I had just had this memory of like when you walked into his room, his beautiful striking eyes would just twinkle with joy and he would love on you and kiss you and just hold your hand and wanted to talk to you. But it's now that I've gotten older and I'm a wife and I'm raising children how much I miss my grandparents because I want to be able to ask them the questions about life and what they would do in this situation or how would they do with their children in this or in ministry as I'm in ministry now working for my dad. Um, And so many people have these stories of when they sat down with Billy Graham, they asked him this question and he gave this big answer. I didn't ask those kind of questions when I was just sitting with my grandfather. And it's this moment now in life I wish I could how thankful I am that his life was so well recorded and documented. I'm blessed enough that I can go on YouTube. Many nights I'll sit on my computer and I'll turn on YouTube and just watch old sermons or I go to the um, billygram.org and find an article that he wrote on a certain subject. Or so many times as a mom or as a wife, I'll turn to my grandmother's writings of encouragement and his wisdom. So I'm so fortunate. But in the last two years since his passing, I've been asked a lot about the legacy. There's many times I've been asked to speak on legacy and speak about family. And at first that was very difficult because when I go to speak, I don't often want to speak on my family because it's never about the Graham family or Billy Graham or Franklin Graham. 
But I sit here and I look at legacy and what does legacy mean and what is it that my grandfather or my grandmother, my parents, what's the legacy they've left behind? What is it that they taught me? What is it that I remember them teaching me? And like I said, I'm so fortunate now that I continue to learn from them through their writings and through videos. And I'll never be able to have that moment now to be able to sit down with them and ask them one-on-one. But I'm blessed enough I can continue just to research and know them better. But as I've been thinking about this, I've just, over the last two years, I'll slowly write down lists of things that I've learned from my grandparents and this example that they set and how thankful I am that I have had godly grandparents and godly parents who have set that example before me of a godly legacy and what that looks like because I've realized how rare that is. When I look at so many of my friends around me who are raising families of their own, they didn't have those examples before them of generations setting that godly example and using God's Word in practical ways and um, knowing that God's Word is alive and active. So I wanted to share with you on Fearless the things that I've learned from my grandfather. And this might take a course of time, but I want to share the legacy that I've learned, what I've learned from my grandparents and my parents. And as I continue to go, that list might grow and I might share more with you. So as we talk about the legacy and what I've learned, I hope this is an encouragement to you. I hope this maybe strengthens you, challenges in different areas. And I kind of look at it as a legacy they left me, but also a legacy in ministry and what that can look like. And if you're not in ministry, don't think this doesn't relate to you or refer to you because I believe that we're all in ministry in some way or another. As believers in Jesus Christ, we're in ministry every day. Everywhere we go is a mission field. So if I use the word of what I've learned from them in ministry, um, don't think that this doesn't apply to you. I think that applies to everybody. But I would say, and I've said this before, and I remember like my very first episode on Fearless, I really touched on this. So if you've heard me say some of this before, but the number one thing I have learned from my grandfather, my grandmother, my dad, my mom, is the power of the gospel in ministry. No wonder the Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Do you know that power? Has that power come into your heart? Have you received him? And some of you might say, okay, sissy, that's a given. We know the gospel is what you've learned from. We get it. But I've watched my grandfather, my dad, they've never been ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And many of you, you've been fortunate enough, you go to a church where the pastor is a pastor of the gospel, or you've been taught that by other people in your family. But my grandfather knew it was only the cross which could change the heart. You know, as I've mentioned before, I just got back from the UK with my dad. And as he's teaching, he said, you know, it's the power of the gospel because it's the power of God. And he goes, I don't really understand that. Salvation is a miracle. And only Jesus is in the miracle business. All I know is that the gospel changes lives. And my grandfather spoke that so many times my my dad will receive criticism that people wish he was more like Billy Graham and just preaching the gospel. And 
I kind of always wonder when they criticize in that way. First off, my dad's not my grandfather. My dad, Franklin Graham, has been called what God has called Franklin Graham to do. And some of that is in uh, different messages for our times and in different ways and different opportunities. But in so many ways, my grandfather and my dad are the same. And to that point, too, is my grandfather always spoke about the cross and the power of the cross. And when we talk about the cross— We talk about what Jesus did on the cross, and He took all the sins of the world, and He was nailed to the cross for you and for me and took our sins. And so many ways that my grandfather and my dad are very similar in their preaching. But just recently, too, is people don't want to address sin. In our society, people don't want to look at sin. Our churches, many people, they'll talk about the gospel and let the gospel do the power in people's hearts, and that is fine. I'm not criticizing that at all. But many people want, just do not want to talk about the different sins. Let God do that. Let Him do the conviction. Just recently, my dad received a letter saying they wished my dad wouldn't address different sins. And I looked at that as a millennial and as a mom who is raising children in this world that's forever compromising and changing and going to get more difficult to be a Christian, I'm thankful that there are people like my dad who will address different sins. Because if we take the subject of homosexuality, just for an example, that there's many millennials and Generation Z who go to church that would call themselves as Christians who don't believe homosexuality is wrong. I look in the school, in the middle school um, kids that go to my children's school, I was talking to a teacher, and she says that many of them don't believe homosexuality is wrong either. And that's because our kids are learning their truth or what they believe is truth from Hollywood, from uh, TV shows and music and artists. And if we as Christians in our school and our churches and as parents don't talk about specific sins, our children and the next generation won't even know what's right and wrong. They won't even know what sin is. So we're in a very dangerous spot. So I'm so thankful that when we're looking at the cross and the power of the cross, that we also, in addressing that, remembering for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but addressing some of these sins that our society is facing. The cross is offensive because it confronts people. People don't want to hear that they're sinners. Sin is a disease in the human heart. It affects the mind and the will and the emotions. How can we break this bondage? God helps us break those chains. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He can make you a totally new person. He loves you. I remember uh, one time, I was a young girl, and I was at home, and I was just my dad and I, and my dad was sitting in his chair across the room, And I was laying on the couch, and we're watching a TV program. And it was this famous pastor in the 90s. And he was asked a really tough question. And I can't remember the question, but I do remember his answer. And he said, reading the Bible is like eating fish. You don't want to get choked up on the bones and the little things. Just grab the meat, the important stuff. And I remember my dad never said a word. And a little side note is I've never heard my dad criticize openly, you know, another pastor, another ministry, but my dad never said a word. He just watched. But for me, being eight or nine years old, I remember such a difference 
that my dad or my grandfather would have used that moment to share the gospel of Jesus. They wouldn't have shied away with a pleasing answer. They would have given a straightforward answer of what the gospel is and what the Bible is. And I think so often, for you on a personal note, I think it's when we're at home and we're out in our communities or with our friends, it can be so easy in those moments to maybe be ashamed to share our faith. Because what Satan does and what the enemy does, he plants those seeds of doubt, saying, "Mm, this is going to be a little bit offensive. This might be not the right timing. Oh, you really need to get to know them better. You know, he'll just plant all these seeds, and you'll have all these excuses not to share the gospel. And it's very difficult. But like I said, the number one thing I've learned from my grandfather and my dad is to never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus because it's the power of God that brings salvation. And I think God just commands us in those moments to be obedient. He just commands us to share that gospel. And there's so many times I can tell you that I've shared it, and I think back, and I'm like, wow, I really butchered that. And I know for all of you listening, you've had those moments where you're like, oh, that did not sound pretty, or that did not come out the way I thought. But I truly believe that the Lord commands us to speak it. And He wants that obedience out of our hearts. And maybe we've butchered it. Maybe it didn't sound like it came out the way we did. But I think in a supernatural way, He might interpret that into the ears of those who are receiving it in a beautiful way that they could understand it. Only God can change the heart. And I just, I've heard my dad say so many times, I don't understand how the gospel works and how it's the power of salvation, but he knows it works. You know, I just recently heard a story when my grandfather was in London, and I can't remember the exact weeks. It might have been like six weeks, and it got extended to 10 or something like that. But I think back, like, what was it like to speak every night for that many weeks in a row and how exhausted my grandfather often says he was and how he felt like he had nothing left to give every single night. He'd get up and he'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I remember just in this interview that I heard was there were so many times as like, Lord, I don't have anything else left to give. And he would doubt like, you know, would anybody come forward at the invitation? But he knew that God would be faithful in the invitation because the gospel had been spoken. What I love about my grandfather and my dad is that they've made in their presentations or when they're presenting the gospel, they always kept it simple. And the gospel is simple. It's that God loved us so much that He sent His one and only Son, Jesus, to this earth to die on a cross to take our sins. And for anybody that believes in Him will have eternal life. In their um, presentation, it was always simple. And so many times I'll hear other preachers or pastors, and they've made it so complicated for those listening. But how much I appreciate that they kept the gospel simple. But I would often say, too, is that my grandfather, when he was presenting the gospel, it was always with truth, and it was always with love, and it was always with grace. And here at Fearless, that's what I always encourage you who are listening, that as Christians, when we stand in this world, to stand in truth, to stand in grace and to remember, as I've quoted so many times from Randy Alcorn in the Grace and Truth Paradox, is that Jesus, He was 100% truth. He was 100% grace. And my grandfather always uh, set that example when giving the gospel. So when I look back, the number one thing that I've learned 
from my grandfather is the power of the gospel in our life and our ministry and to never be ashamed of it and to re- always remember Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation. Let us be clear and simple in our proclamation of the gospel. Make it simple. Jesus Christ, by his death and resurrection, becomes the gospel. Jesus is the gospel. Preach Jesus. Today, I shared with you and spoke about the legacy of my grandfather. And the number one thing I've learned from my grandfather is the power of the gospel. But as we continue, and I continue to share with you what I've learned, some of those things are going to be the power of service and scripture, the example of prayer that my family showed me, uh, the power of a heavenly mindset. These are just different things over the last two years that I've just written down of what I've learned from my grandfather. And I'll share these with you throughout the year to come. But I want to thank you for joining me on another episode of Fearless. I'm Sissy Graham Lynch, and I encourage you to follow me on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I wasn't given the spirit of-